0: This is Work Perks Podcast Episode 12 with me, Brian McCammon. This week, I have the unique pleasure of sitting down with a dear friend of mine and a new friend of mine, Monique Gibson. And Monique and I get to chat about really what does it mean when an organization says they want the best, they want top talent. Now, we know intuitively, right, we all want to be around the best. We all want the best. And every organization is going to say we only accept the best. The fact of the matter is they don't. Uh, that's a whole nother episode in and of itself. But again, this week, Monique and I get into figuring out, all right, if a company says they, they want the best, are they set up to really have the best? Are they set up to keep them? What are some of the different and unique needs that the top performers of any category top accountants, top financial minds, top salespeople, top HR people, uh, top operations, everything. What is it that the creme de la creme, the top performers, what are they really looking for? And what are some of the challenges that organizations face keeping those people dialed in to the day-to-day mission? So let's go ahead and tune in and listen up to our conversation. Afternoon, Monique. How are you today?
1: Good, good. How are you, Brian?
0: Doing very well. Thanks Good. for joining me. Of course. Well, really excited to have this dialogue with you. Uh, so much of what you and I have discussed prior to to this interview, to this get together, is is really the the foundation of what does it mean for a company to really go after that top tier talent. Um, everyone says they want it. Do they really have this, the the right stuff in place to? get the talent, keep the talent, engage the talent. So I'm I'm really excited about this topic. Um, And so I don't want to waste any time. Let's go ahead and dive on in. But first, before we start getting into kind of the the nitty gritty details, share with us some details about you, your career path, how you ended up where you're at today, and and just help us all understand who Monique Gibson is.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, I was a, a very late bloomer uh went to college played around with my best friend all day flunked out the first year uh had an army recruiter call me and he said hey you want to jump out of planes and i thought oh that sounds like fun um i was always a thrill seeker played basketball in high school um so went into the military uh ended up going to germany uh, for a couple of years then on a dare with a very cocky major um told him if he was all that awesome he could get me an assignment to the pentagon and he did so had the opportunity to go to the Pentagon. Um, did two years there. Got out of the army. Went back to school. Uh, I was much more focused. So got my undergrad. Then went to law school. Got my my JD. Then uh, went back to school again, um, and got my MBA. So um, landed in HR some way somehow, um, handling employment cases. Um, and so I have about fifteen years of HR and employment law in house council experience. So um, pretty pretty well-rounded there.
0: To say the least, that's quite the shift that you don't encounter very often in human resources. Jumped out of airplanes, Germany, Pentagon, law degree, MBA. Um, that adds for quite a, or makes for, I should say, r- really an interesting perspective on things. Where... What was the thought process behind at least the, the J.D. and then the NBA? Usually those things are pretty mutually exclusive.
1: I wish I had a, a really eloquent answer for you, but I don't. <laughs> I, I was flying by the seat of the, uh, my pants. Um, a good friend of mine had gone to law school. So I thought, well, she went to law school. Why not? Um, and I went to law school. Um, and, and honestly, I hated it. I, I hated it. Um, that type of dirty competition, because I'm a team player, you know, I, I want to mm-hmm. get somewhere together as a team. So I, I really did not like that dirty competition. Um, so didn't enjoy, enjoy that law school experience uh, if, from, from a, 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 a personal standpoint, but just in terms of a, um, what I learned was phenomenal. Just, you know, if there's a stop sign, does it mean Stop, stop, does it mean stop five feet back? Does it mean stop? stop? So, just being able to analyze things and find um, unique uh, solutions to problems. So, just a different way of thinking. So, it was phenomenal um, in that way. And then um, after law school, I took the bar, um, passed the bar, and I thought, well, maybe I'll go back to school and get an MBA because I want to know more about business because I always had. Um, a heart for business. I had two parents who were entrepreneurs, so wanted to get more experience in the in the business realm. So, I did that, um, and then just fell into an opportunity at a university. Uh, I was associate director of human resources, and had an opportunity to deal with some very interesting professor <laughs> employee relations issues. Uh, So it was it was the start of um, a very interesting career.
0: (laughs) I'm sure everyone's dying to know, is it really true if you're tenured, you can't get fired?
1: Uh, It is extremely difficult.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yes. For those listening, I might need to pursue a career in academia. Then that way, no one can get rid of me. Perhaps I can run a course on uh, uh, perks. Maybe that's what we'll call it. A sabbatical. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't. I think at this stage of 2020, everyone wants and needs a sabbatical. sabbatical. But that now that could be another interesting episode of Work Perks, talking about sabbaticals. Okay, so we've got this big, grand uh, body of work where you've you've done a lot all the way from sort of college round one, all the way through where you're at today. What was the decision behind looking to become a consultant and start your consulting practice?
1: I, I had always wanted to do something on the side. Um, and so I started a consulting business in 2017. I never did anything with it. So um, early this year, as a result of COVID, I was laid off um, quite unexpectedly. Um, so I found myself in a place where, Oh crud, um, I got laid off and and my husband and family members and friends have been telling me for years, like you, you should, you should go into your own consulting practice. You such, You know, such a, a diverse range of experience that, that a corporate job may not really be able to um, take advantage of, of the experiences that I had. So, um, kind of was pushed into it and I thought, oh, well, okay, well, I'll just do, do this until um, I find a, a full-time job. But um, once I really got into it and had an opportunity to do some assignments, I really liked um, the flexibility. I, I felt that the uh, reception of some of the guidance that I provided um, was received differently than when I was an employee. Um, I didn't feel that competition in terms of, Oh, she'll, she, she, she might take my job. And, and that the whole political, you know, game behind that, it was more so, Oh, Hey, she's helping me on the side. So what'd you say next? Okay. You want me to do what? <laughs> you want me to do what? So um, the reception of what I bring to the table has been totally different. Um, and, and I love, I'm not an early bird. I was, I, I did it for the military for years. Um, I work best into the wee hours of the night. So I love that I can work, you know, until nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, you know, I can spend time with my family. Then after my kids go to bed, my husband goes to bed, I can still put in some more hours. Um, So much so that I work now in my own consulting practice more hours than when I was in corporate America. But it's different. It's different because it's my own baby. You know, I'm taking care of my own baby and I love what I'm doing. So there's a different passion behind it. Um, and I don't feel that, you know, like, oh, it's been 10 minutes or, oh, you took longer than five minutes to eat and, oh, you need to be on another meal. I don't, I don't feel that. Um, and it, it allows me to be much more creative um, and I can really listen. And, and I told my husband uh, last night, he goes, oh, it's like that movie Limited. You know, he took the pill and then he could use like, not just 10% of his brain, but like whatever, 80% of his brain. That's, that's where i feel i'm at now now i have the comfort i don't have to worry about the politics and the games Mm -hmm. but i have the comfort and and the um the peace to kind of see things for what they are and then i can say that and it's not a threat to anyone because i don't have any skin in the game sure like i'm not going after your job i'm telling you that you have a gap in your process right here that needs to be fixed and i can help you fix it so it's been it's been phenomenal
0: that's that's awesome. Uh, and I've seen that movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, if only I was halfway as dashing as Bradley Cooper, I might actually have something to that. Uh, but that's really cool to to be able to have that freedom uh, to take the step back and, and be kind of loose. Um, you know, if you ever played sports, if anyone's ever played uh, any sort of sports or, or very passionate about a hobby, perhaps an instrument, uh, poetry writing, painting, you, you kind of hit this zone. And I remember reading uh, a ton about it during my one of my college courses in recreation. I know it's, a lot of people can chuckle. I'm the Leslie Nope um, of uh, you know modern day. Um, but it was talking to talk about flow and how flow is a real thing and what that does for uh, both child's mindsets, but also adult mindsets for productivity, creativity. So it's really neat. It's a long-winded way of saying it's really it's cool to hear that you finally hit that point and then what that's allowing you to do for these organizations and really dig into the meat of our topic uh, because it does take a degree of creativity to work with an organization and say, here is what you need to do to find the best and not just, you know, do the air quotes, right? We find the best, we are the best, best in class talent, this or, you know, every other talent or best buzz, buzzword, buzz phrase, catchphrase that's out there. Uh, so now I'd, I'd like to pivot if, if we can to that particular thing. You know, we, in our private discussions, we've, we've talked a lot about the importance of talent to an organization. Obviously without people, without good people, you're not going to, to go anywhere. Help us understand why this is so critical to an organization, that that whole thought process.
1: So, you know, it just it just reminds me of the playground growing up. Right. Everybody wanted the tallest kid on their team, but every team wasn't ready for the tallest kid because the tallest kid might have been the only one who had any talent. Right. And then eventually the tallest kid doesn't want to be on the team that loses all the time. So I think it's that same kind of thought process that if you're looking for top talent, then you have to have um, leadership and culture in place to be able to keep that top talent. Because even if you went at the game of, you know, you went fishing and you caught the big fish, will you be able to keep the fish? Because top talent, they know that they're top talent and they have options. So when you have people who have options and they go into a toxic environment or they go into an environment where they're micromanaged or not given the flexibility to use their creativity or they're not being developed, they will leave. And and that's what happens. And then you know, it tickles me when leadership sits around like, oh my gosh, we can't believe so-and-so left. <laughs> like really, <laughs> you can't believe that. So yeah, I think I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Is getting the talent. I think a lot of people can get because a lot of people can talk a good game, right? Like oh, sure. we have a great culture. Look at our website. You know, we have diversity—not just diversity in race and ethnic and religious—and you know, we have diversity of thought. You know, we have kombucha on on Wednesdays, and you go, oh man, that sounds like great. Then you get in and you're like, wait a minute, this is not that this is not the picture that they painted. And and I've seen top talent as quickly as they come. They leave just as quickly. So I think that's just just the first half of the equation is getting the top talent.
0: So let's say I'm an organization, we're an organization and we managed to land one or two or three of these. Uh, top talented uh, employees. Right. And they could be in a variety of ranges, not just sales or marketing. It could be in leadership, learning, development, human resources, accounting or CFOs. Uh, So you've landed them. What are some of the things that you've seen, not only in your career, but also in your consulting career that torpedoes some of that uh, some of that environment uh, that that makes those people kind of go, wait a minute, is this really what I signed up for?
1: So it, it just so happens that I'm, I'm working on a project right now where the leader of one part of the organization believes this role that they're recruiting for is, is X. Mm-hmm. The hiring manager believes that this role is Y. Then there's yet another executive leader who believes that this role will fix Z. There's not a common agreement on what this role Will, will do, what they'll be accountable for, um, what the expectations are, and and they're interviewing candidates, but how do you know exactly what to interview for if you haven't agreed on, we're looking for either an, a person who's going to do X or Y and Z because that person can't come in and do X, Y, and Z. Right. So I've seen that happen so many times where you bring the person in and you think, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out when they get, to, get there. And then the person comes in. So one executive is telling me, hey, I need you to do this. Might not be your, your, your manager, but that's an executive. So now you have this executive telling you to do X. Then another executive saying, Hey, well, you know, she was brought on to do, do this. I need you to do. Uh. so then I'm put in the very uncomfortable position of being pulled in three, four, five, six different directions. And now I'm frustrated and then people are frustrated because I'm not giving them what they need because at any one point in time, I'm only one person. I I can't serve 15 masters, you know, so um, I I think that's huge is first really, really having an agreement of what this role will handle. Don't wait to figure it out until they come on board because that person will be frustrated and so will everyone else but have that agreement up front. And what makes me really nervous is the dotted line reporting. Oh, well, they have a solid line to so-and-so and and then a dotted line to 18 other people. And you're kind of like, ah. As the person in that role, that is very challenging Mm -hmm. to have dotted lines to other leaders in the company because then I don't know, do I respond to the CFO first or do I respond to the CEO? Or like now I'm right. feeling very uncomfortable because I've got all these executives coming to me. So, so I, I, I haven't seen that thought process work very well, the dotted line, solid line. Um, but that would be my first call out is make sure you know what you're hiring for. If it is an entry level position, don't, don't expect to get someone with a master's degree and 10 years of experience. Um, that's just silly. I just see a lot of things on LinkedIn where, where people are saying like it's entry level. Why are you requiring them to have all these certifications? And, defeats and the purpose paying, of entry level. Yeah, exactly. Then, then you're not paying what their experience brings to the table. So that's another thing. If, if you're hiring for this position, that really is a, is a role for just hypothetically, someone with zero, two years of experience then again, don't look for someone who's got a master's degree in 10 years and then pay, you know, 40000 Right. The pay has to be comparable to what you're asking that person to do. Um, so I've seen just a disconnect on that as well. Because um, if you're not competitive, then you won't get the kind of talent that you're looking for for that role. Um, if you bring someone and you're paying too much, and the role is a little bit lower, lower level, that person's going to leave because they're not doing the role at the level they thought they were being hired at. So, I mean, there's so many dynamics to that. Just ensure that you know what the role is, the compensation for the role, and what are truly the requirements for the successful candidate in that role.
0: So you mentioned you're, you're working with an organization right now that's having that Identity crisis with an open position. Outside of that, how prevalent has that been in your career? Where there's been an instance where one department thought we're going to hire this individual for this need, another department believes we're hiring that same individual for actually this need, and kind of so on and so forth. It, has that popped up a decent amount before? I
1: have seen it time and time and time again. I mean, it's really? nothing unique to to what I'm currently working on, but I have seen it over and over and and then people go well i don't understand why so and so left and it's like <laughs> well because they had the job of three full-time people because you didn't take the time to really figure out like what what are you realistically what is this job because hypothetically so if you have a leak in the bottom of your boat you're not gonna hire someone who's a band-aid because that just isn't gonna work no right so um, yeah, it, it is very, very common, very common.
0: And, and, and I take it with that commonality, it's not exclusive to large organizations.
1: Not at all. Not at all. Because you think, oh, geez, this organization has been in business for 40 years. Everyone recognizes the name. Yeah, those organizations, too.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, you, when you spoke about you need to be clear on the job, clear on the responsibilities, clear on the compensation. Uh, you know, what is, if, if I'm an organization, how can I make sure that I'm, we'll, we'll pick one, right? Like let's pick compensation, for example. How can I make sure that I am really crystal clear about what I need to, to pay um, without trying, you know, understanding I'm trying not to overpay, but I don't want to underpay, but, but like kind of what's the thought process and, and the steps someone will need to take in order to make sure this is what we need in order to get that rainmaker, get that person that could be the credibility boost at organization needs.
1: Uh, so that, that touches on a, on an area that, that is super delicate, uh, because going back to, Hiring and paying someone to perform a function. That is fair, and that is how companies should handle every hire. If Mm. I need a painter, I'm paying $18 an hour, period. I don't care what gender the person is, I don't care what religion, what race. I should have a very clear idea of what I'm paying for that position. And I've seen every single organization the same thing. Well, if you recruit someone who possibly was underpaid at a previous job, now's not the time to see if you can get a bargain. Because at the end of the day, that's discrimination at its root. To go, Mm -hmm. oh, well, and I had an executive leader say that to me years ago. Like, oh, well, this individual, they were underpaid. That's not my problem. If I can get her for... 15,000 less than what we were going to pay for this role. That's not my problem. Well, at the end of the day, it is your problem. So it's, it's very important to pay, already have in your mind, the range for that role, make sure that range is competitive and pay the person to perform the role based on that range, period. And that's why the legislation and, and you know, it's slowly catching on where a lot of states are saying you can't ask people their previous salaries because I have seen, you know, and, and I've been involved in, in, in like, when an audit, auditor comes in and they say, well, hey, wait a minute, there seems to be a pay discrepancy between, you know, the women and the men or the this and that mm-hmm. and, and trying to explain it away. And there are organizations that will help companies explain it away. And it works. And that is very discouraging for someone with, with, with my background and my education to go, guys, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay to say, you know, make up a business reason why a certain class of people are underpaid when compared to another class of people. So I think if 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 you're a business of integrity. Mm-hmm. You do what's right, and you you pay whatever the range is for that role, and whatever that person looks like acts like smells like whatever, you pay that for for that role not not based the pay on the person
0: It's interesting because I know <clears throat> I, I' trying to collect my thoughts here so yes, seen uh, as with you, seen the legislation coming and and you hear those stories, and it is it's, it's disappointing and it doesn't make much sense to me where it's, you're paying a person to do a job well. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're someone perhaps isn't wired to be as great a salary negotiator. That doesn't seem necessarily fair, Mm -hmm. uh, if they're equally as talented. And, you know, if you look to the sports world, there's plenty of situations where some athletes are grossly overpaid and others are really underpaid without getting into the debate about athlete pay. We won't,
1: (laughs) we won't touch that.
0: We won't touch that as elite
1: performers. Yeah.
0: So now that uh, you know this organization has has this performer, uh, they've got really clear on the role that they're going to be in. They've eliminated some, if not all, of the dotted line. I've seen those on org charts. that's horrifying we've We've honed in on how to how to ensure the pay is in line, and you alluded to it earlier where you said things like, don't ask it uh, for someone to have an MBA for an entry level job." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about engagement. Now, what are these organizations doing to keep this talent? They've got them in the door, but they've got to keep them engaged, keep them tuned into the corporate mission, keep it, keep them, you know, helping to push the whole team forward. What are some of the things that you have seen? Uh, and, and maybe this is too broad, but that you've seen organizations do to say, hey, this these are our top tier people, again, in any role. Are they doing anything special or unique or different to try to get them to stay engaged versus, say, other people?
1: The, the thing that I have seen time and time and time again, bro- I mean, and, and this is broad stroke across every single organization I've been involved with, is lack of management training. Mm-hmm. You know, putting an individual contributor into a management role because they were a great individual contributor. Well, you don't—you don't become a great leader by osmosis. Like there, there are <laughs> there are skills to becoming an effective leader, mm-hmm. and 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 I've seen it happen. And that person is being set up to fail because either mm-hmm. they just have a very off-putting personality or they don't understand that they now are responsible for the development of people. They, they might think that's the job of HR. Um, but to me that is the biggest gap is really, really developing managers. And, and, and part of that development is their leader saying, okay, so where, where are you at here? Their leader has to be an example. So if you have an executive leader, who's not a leader or they're not a very good leader, then you can't expect for the people that they lead to be effective leaders. Um, I, 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 I've always thought that, that leadership is a skill set. I hmm. think some are born and will be better at it than others, but I think that everyone can learn, but not everyone can still, even after they've learned, be an effective leader. And, and I think that's the role of your executive leadership to say, hey, we've got, you know, this ex-leader here, they are not a leader. They've been through management training. They don't know how to develop their employees. They don't know how to talk to their employees. They're never available. Um, it, There was one point I worked with the CFO who didn't like to talk, period. He didn't talk to his people. He was <laughs> so like, wait a minute, but you're the manager. But he just, right. you know, and for me, then perhaps CFO is not the role for you.
0: Sure.
1: Um, So I see that being a huge gap. I mean, that would be like... You know, uh, an NBA team, you know, just putting any old body in the head coach role. Like, not going to happen. Like, for the Lakers or what have you, not going to happen. They, they want somebody who is experienced, who has shown that they know how to develop the players. And it's the same thing with leaders. Like, you really, really, really need to make sure that your leaders and managers are effective. Um, I, I just I recently did a training and I was talking to, to the group. They were mid-level managers. And I was talking to the group about their objectives. And they kind of gave me that glassed over, like, objectives, objectives. I feel like I should know that. I feel like
0: I know that. <laughs> well, I studied this. Yeah. It was on a flashcard.
1: Uh, yeah, sounds familiar. Well, come to find out, their leaders didn't talk to them about what the objectives were for 2021. So it's kind of like, well, if the executives don't pass down the the company objectives to the mid-level managers, then the people who report to the mid-level managers don't know what the corporate objectives are. They don't have any metrics. They don't know if they met the goal. They don't know if they failed. So there's so much to leadership that I think has been sorely, sorely overlooked. Um, Ever since I've been in corporate America, and I think that is a huge shortcoming. You know, just recently you've heard about emotional intelligence and things like mm-hmm. that. That is huge. If, if you're a mean, nasty person and nobody wants to be around you and you're toxic, and then it so happens you're an executive leader, guess what? Like, you, you are destroying the company from the inside out. And shame on the other executive leaders who, who sit and, and watch that happen. And they just kind of go, oh, well, that's just kind of the way so-and-so is. They're just kind of abrasive. Well, then you have an issue with leadership. If you don't know how to have that, that, that constructive conversation to say, hey, you're an executive leader of this company, and here are my expectations. If you can't meet that expectation, then perhaps you're not the right person for this role. So that that's a sensitive area for me. I mean, I, I see that as being a huge, huge oversight that can cause the culture of an organization to be extremely toxic, extremely toxic. And then what happens? Your good people leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's that saying, right? People don't quit jobs; they quit people. That is so uh, true. Yes. And and uh, I have no shame in saying it. I have quit a few people in my mm-hmm. career, um, and it's, it's really challenging. In 2020, I think, with so many jobs becoming remote and losing the ability for, uh, for managers, if you will, or, or uh, supervisors, that was the term that, uh, that David and Rich used on a previous episode. They called them supervisors, right, where they walk past your desk and they can supervise you just you know, typing away and sending <laughs> your emails, making your phone right. calls. And, and now all of a sudden they have to become leaders, leaders. as you were mentioning, and they, they have to do it from either behind a screen or, or have that trust and faith that their teams are doing the things they need to do. That is a really challenging skill set, to your point, and it's not one that everyone can have. And I find it really intriguing that for as quick as an organization is to promote someone, obviously you don't want to demoralize and demote someone if you find out they're not a good fit. But shifting someone around and pivoting responsibilities so that person can thrive—that's not a bad thing. So it's really interesting that more organizations don't do that. Do you see companies, or have you experienced organizations that said, "Hey, maybe we made a mistake promoting Brian to be, you know, this uh, a VP, a director, uh, insert your title, right? But instead of demoting or taking the team away or doing something like that, we're going to shift him to an area that actually fits his skill set." Perhaps a bit more. Have, have you seen that?
1: I have not. I have seen them keep that same person in that role and try to build up people under mm. him to continue to hide the underperformance.
0: It's really interesting that it's it's like let's not address the problem. Let's see how many band aids we can stick on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and everybody knows it. So then you have. People going, well, what the heck? Like everybody knows that manager so-and-so is horrible, but the company's not going to do anything about it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to what? Leave. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. going to leave.
0: Mm-hmm. In, in your experience, have you come across or do you know of organizations, uh, they can be big or small, that seem to be leading the charge when it comes to having that that EQ and understanding what they need to do to create and foster good environments for top talent?
1: I have not ever personally experienced that type of organization. And I and it's interesting because I always try to find people who love their jobs. And I can count <laughs> on maybe one or two fingers over the years how many people have said, oh, my God, I love working for XYZ Company because they take care of me, they this, mm-hmm. they that. I I have not experienced that. As uh, interestingly enough, I I just saw a post recently, and I had heard this about a year ago, that companies paid to be on the top places to work in Dallas. And and I don't know if that's true. I'm not saying it's true or not true. Sure. But I saw a post that said that, and I had heard that a year ago. And I I, I recall working for a company several years ago that was listed as the top company you know, to work in that area. And the culture was horrible. So you're thinking like, who, who's rating these companies? You know, whether it's paid <laughs> or not, I don't know. Sure. Um, so, so that this kind of leads me to believe that, that we all have like a really long ways to go. <laughs> really long ways to go.
0: I would agree with that, that assessment. Um, I'm with you. I don't know for sure how or, um, what the determining process is for ending up on that list. Obviously there has to be some degree of self-promotion and that's okay to get a, to get your firm, um, onto, but you're right. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, how is that vote tallied? How does a publication like the business journal, um, you know, determine who is top, who isn't on what criteria? It, It does seem a little interesting. Um, because there, there have been times where I've worked in, in organizations that you could tell were really doing it right. And then other times, organizations where maybe some things shifted and some dynamics shifted and your team went from being really good to perhaps not as good. So it, it's interesting. Part of me feels like if you're an organization that you know, has to promote and say that we're such a good place... I'm curious. I'm, hypo- I'm hypothesizing here, listeners. Uh, does, is that the same as saying, I'm really rich? Does the, you know, does, the, does the really smart person have to tell you they're smart? Does the rich person have to tell you they're rich? Does the company that's, that's really a great place to be, do they have to tell you? Again, I don't know. Kind of curious. So again, for all the listeners out there that might be like, Brian, you just offended me. I'm really sorry. But again, it's just a thought <laughs> process. <laughs> it's, right. it, it, make, it makes me wonder. It makes me right. They,
1: I've even heard that. Uh, I can't think of the quote, but it's something like, "If if you're an effective leader, you don't always have to tell people. Like people will just follow you. You don't have to remind people. Like oh, because I'm your boss. Well, no, people will naturally follow you because you coach them, you develop them. They they want to be loyal to you. They want to make you proud. And and so that that's along the same lines. Like if you're truly a great company your employees will be out and about telling all of their friends they'll be at these career events telling people like oh my god this is a great company to work when i was in law school i had i had been invited to to do some recruiting on behalf of of the school and it just was funny to me just like you would walk by some of the booths and people are like yeah this is a really great school to come to here here's a pamphlet and you're just like do you like do you real realize that like you're not selling the school very well because clearly like you're not excited to be there. So it's the same kind of thing. Like even with, I had heard um, getting this back to the, the top places to work that employees were threatened, like to provide certain answers, you know? So oh, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but if you're truly a great place to work, then when I'm networking with people, I should be able to hear Five people from XYZ companies say, oh my God, that I can't believe I'll never leave. I love working here, blah, blah, blah. I have yet to experience that. Maybe you have. I I have yet to experience that.
0: I've had it in fleeting moments. I do have one. Um, early on, I believe this particular leader is still in their role. And yes, it is professional sports related. So I'll leave all mm-hmm. you resume sleuths out there to deduce which one it is. <laughs> uh, but it was the same thing. This individual never spoke about their leadership capabilities, they exhibited everything that you would want and hope to aspire to. And it was not only was it inspirational, it was aspirational. Uh, And it was every interaction that they had with every single person. It was kind of like that Michael Jordan mentality, right? Jordan always dressed up everywhere he went. And the thought process was, this could be someone's first impression of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's why I'm going to dress in a suit and I'm going to look nice. I'm going to be polite to people. And it was that same sort of thing. Every interaction was a best foot forward. I'd imagine that must be kind of exhausting because you're kind of always on and it worked really well for this individual. Uh, but I ha- I was lucky enough to experience that environment. And, and when you do have it, it is special. Uh, mm-hmm. but it has been few and far between that. I can, that I can attest to. Yeah. So we're, as we've, we've talked about, what it means to have the best, keep the best, engage the best. Uh, of course, this podcast is all things perks related. And one of the things that comes with being the best is having a different you know, benefit package or again, not necessarily exclusionary or mine is different than everyone else's, but thinking about uh, perks differently. I'm curious if, if you've come across uh, any sort of benefit offering, perk offering, something that stands out that an organization or organizations have really done to go above and beyond to really stick out in a good way to try to attract some of that best talent?
1: You know, this this what what initially comes to mind is is something that I don't think many people would think, what that's not really a perk, but it works. So there was a previous company where Um, there were events where Mm -hmm. the employees could go to be a representative of the company. And they were, you know, really nice events. You know, they were somewhere remote, you know, at a hotel and you would, you would speak on behalf of the company. So everybody wanted to go to those events. So, so they would, they would have um, drawings like based on your production. If you meet this, then you will have the opportunity to go to this big time event and stay at this nice hotel and eat this great food and, and be a spokesperson for the company. And OMG, like people loved that they loved the opportunity to travel and be a representative for the company. And they didn't give her, they, they didn't care about, um, you know, wearing jeans on Friday. And so like, that's, you know, Oh yeah, it's cool. But that won't keep a person at a company. Right. What will keep them there are, are opportunities, like opportunities, mm-hmm. like I said, to, to go to a conference, go to this training. They want to be developed. People want to be constantly developed. Um, and for me, if you don't want to learn anymore, if you've reached the pinnacle of how much you want to learn, then that, that's not somebody that I would want on my team because I think that we all should be lifelong learners. You, you never know it all. So um, that's a huge perk um, especially for people early in their career, that's huge. Like, oh, you're, you're going with the president of the company or you know, um, report out or at a meeting, you get to stand up and say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so on behalf of blah, 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 you know? Um, so that's been huge. Um, and, and, and I've, I've heard talk around, um, student loan repayment, Mm -hmm. um, i've I've worked for companies that have considered doing that, but never followed through on it, but but I think that that would be a huge perk because people are coming out of school with this these ginormous loans and and it will take them years to get those paid off. So I think that would be a perk. Um, and selfishly for me, I, 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 one of the young ladies who used to be on my team, she ended up getting snatched away from me by Google so um she talked to me just about the constant food and i I would never leave like if you feed me i would would never leave yeah so um yeah but but to me those are the most unique the opportunity to the opportunity to to represent a company at you know a a huge conference or, or or something like that the school loan repayment um and off the top of my mind, those, are, those would be the, the, the two, I would say, are, are the most unique.
0: I really like that you highlighted the, the travel one to – we'll take the travel piece out of it, right? But, but the, the opportunity to not necessarily be a C-suite or a director or a VP, uh, but someone who could be a high performer or someone identified as high ceiling and has the ability to go and be, be a part of those events – uh, because as you mentioned, people want to be developed, and I think it's important. And, and perhaps we should have had this caveat at the very, very beginning that top tier talent or elite talent doesn't have to be at the executive level. Uh, that could be someone that comes right out of you know right out of school, but someone you've identified who has a really high ceiling, and you're saying this person can really move the needle for the organization, uh, not only in the short term but also the long term. I think that's a really unique one. I think, and I'm with you. I believe it's underrated to have that kind of buy-in uh, from someone, and it, it takes next to no effort. And as an organization, if you were going to go there, your, your CEO, CFO, uh, you know, insert C-suite position, you know, whoever's going there, they're going anyways. Mm-hmm. What does it hurt to grab one other person? Or just swap and say, instead of the CEO and uh, a CFO, COO, take one of them out of the equation. Let the, uh, the young gun you know, the young man, the young woman go and be able to get that experience.
1: Yeah, It's building, that, it's building that bench strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge.
0: It's really interesting. <clears throat> I have to admit, I was not anticipating that being the, the response, but I'm pleasantly <laughs> surprised. <clears throat> so you've kind of thrown me off here a little bit. Um, okay. So as, as we're wrapping up our time together, uh, one last question, uh, I, I always try to have some fun with all the guests. So if money and time and administration, all those complexities, uh, no object, what is the one perk that either at your company or the next place you work that you would love to have? Again, money, time, complexities of administering it, not a thing. And I feel like since you said food at Google, you can't say food. That's just too easy.
1: I know. Yeah, that's my
0: number one. Um, okay, so more food.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I coach girls basketball. Like I said, I played basketball and I'm a coach at heart. Um, so for me, I, I, oh, that's a tough one. It would, it would have to be something around that. So if I'm at this level, letting me kind of see what it's like at at that next level.
0: Okay. So that, that ability, yeah, that ability yeah. to, to go and, and shadow the, the, the position or the leadership role above you um, for that, for that day to see what's going on. Okay. Why? Yeah,
1: I mean, and that's why. Yeah. Well, that stems from like, even when you're a kid, you're a kid, you're like, Oh, I would love to be a teacher for a day. I want to see what it's like to be the teacher. Um, I think so. So it, it's, it's interesting to me because, because I am a coach at heart, I, I would put the folks on my team up to give an executive presentation and everybody would look at, look at me like, why are you putting that poor soul up for, to, to do an, uh, an executive presentation and that poor soul was someone that ended up at Google. And, and, and she told me, you're one of the best managers I've ever had. I have never been developed like you've developed me because I will push you out into the water. I won't let you drown, Sure, but I'll push you out there. And, and believe it or not, high, high potential talent, they, they might get to the point where they're like, oh, but they're not going to drown. Because that competitiveness kicks in like, wait a minute, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, but I can do this because my manager believes I can do it, so I can do it. Um, That just stems from, I think that's part of the development process for Mm -hmm. for you to understand this is where you need to be developed to make these kind of decisions. And then you see that those kind of decisions are made at that level. So even sitting in in a board meeting, you're like, oh, geez, who knew that this is what they talked about? Okay, so I need to be prepared to be able to address these sort of questions, right? How can I prepare for the next level if I don't know what the next level looks like?
0: It, it is an interesting catch-22 that most organizations seem to find themselves in. We want someone with 15 years experience who's managed 19 teams, and you kind of go, <laughs> if I don't ever get the chance to even see what it looks like to lead a team, how am I hmm, how know.
1: am I going to Yeah, how how will I ever get that opportunity? I guess I'll just be experience. an account
0: executive for the rest yeah. of my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right, but I think I think a lot of people would be surprised that when you give people that opportunity, like, yeah, they might mess up, so what? They might skin their knee, so what? Right. Like, it's OK. Like you, you pat him on the back and say, hey, you did a great job. Here are some things you might want to work on. But, you know, good job. And and you just see it. You see it. People go, oh, wow. OK. OK, coach. So next time I'm really going to prepare. Mm-hmm. You're like, great, because I think you can do it. So, yeah, I could talk about that for days and days and days. I mean, just that kind of coaching as a manager, that's your job. Your job right. is to develop that person. So I'm looking at you as a leader. If nobody on your team has been promoted, equitably promoted, or developed, whose fault is that? It's the manager's fault. Just like a coach. Like right. if, if your team is horrible and they don't see any development or the team getting better, guess what happens? They fire the coach. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like to see that same kind of mindset in corporate America. Like, if you're not developing anyone on your team,
0: then perhaps
1: there, you need to be in an individual contributor role. And,
0: and, and there's, there's nothing
1: wrong with that. Yeah. No,
0: no, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And it reminds me of another another quote. And I forgive me, I don't know who it is. And uh, but it's basically you know someone two executives sitting around, and someone says, "Man, we can't afford to." Uh, to train people. What if they leave? And, you know, the, the kind of, the counterpoint to that is, well, what if they, what if they stay and we don't train them? Um, What if they stay and we don't develop them? And then that that becomes a very interesting conversation as a company is planning, not just, you know, let's take all the kind of short-term stuff aside and say, where where do you want as an org to go in a a year, in three years, in five years, both uh, human capital growth, revenue growth, product development. I mean, if there's not some degree of churn in a good way, Mm -hmm. You're going to become an echo chamber and it's just the same ideas over and over and over. Yes. And and that turnover is what gave way or gives way to people jumping to Google, Google to insert next company, uh, you know, Tesla and SpaceX and uh, I'm looking at a Yeti. So a Yeti, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and so on and so forth. So it's it's really interesting. That's a great, that is a great perk that shadow your boss for a day. I like that. hmm
1: okay you'd be surprised i mean yeah do they want a yeti cup yeah yeah wow that's great i, I work for a program I, I work for a company where they had a program where if you if you garnered so many points you could buy a bike or you could get this people right. still didn't stay
0: right no they they never do yeah. um well this has been a ton of fun uh yes. i've enjoyed it i've learned a lot um I hope everyone that's listening has as well. So, Monique, I want to thank you for, for your time, for sharing your expertise with us. And uh, I think we snuck in a few tidbits of what could be potential future episodes. So I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast again. Uh, again, thanks so much. Uh, and uh, look forward to having you back here again soon.
1: Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Brian.
0: That wraps up our conversation with Monique Gibson who I still maintain is one of the most accomplished and unique individuals I have had the privilege of uh, getting to know uh, during 2020. Her story is amazing. Her expertise is unfounded. Her insights are second to none. Um, A couple of key takeaways that I'd like to draw your attention to, at least key takeaways that that I had. First, always have a plan. If you want the best, you have to have a plan in place to keep them. And that plan has to be a continuous loop with continuous feedback. It can't just be a closed circuit thing. You have to be constantly evolving and iterating and figuring out what does it mean to engage our best and brightest. Second thing that stood out to me is the opportunity uh, of exposing people to opportunities above them. Um, You know, so letting a low level... Salesperson, account management, somebody in an administrative position—you know, finance, accounting, HR—sit in on a bigger meeting to see what that looks like. To see how executives in their organization structure their meetings, to see how effective they are, how efficient they are. Uh, you know, give people a chance to see, in the words of Monique, uh, you know what it's like to be teacher for a day. You might surprise yourself with what you uncover. So again, in closing, I just really appreciate you tuning in to episode 12, our very first one of 2021. Uh, Look forward to seeing you back, hearing you back, uh, you know, for the the future episodes. We've got some great stuff in store for 2021 and beyond. Uh, Please leave a review of the podcast on either uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, As always, subscribe. For our latest updates, you can check out our Work Perks podcast LinkedIn page. Yes, we have one. Yes, it is run by me and updated uh, as often as I possibly can. Uh, any feedback, thoughts, or ideas? Please feel free to message or comment uh, on that page. Um, if you think you uh, you know you've got someone in the organization that might be a good fit, um, you know, definitely let me know. So again, as always, thanks so much for your time and attention. We'll see you next week.